studs and um my guest this week is max klotfelter howdy howdy max um max uh this has taken too long to happen um well i've been reading max's comics for quite some time uh apparently i just found out of uh, max was mentioned on an early ink studs episode by uh, mr pete bag that's correct what did he say he he I don't know what brought it up, but you asked maybe what he had been reading, and he, he what sprung to his mind was that this, this kind of like new local guy to Seattle named Max Clot something, and uh, every one of the characters he draws is completely drunk. Wait, wait, wait. Can I, can I use the dirty words? Well, I mean, this is a podcast, so it's okay. Okay, yeah. So he said, yeah, every one of his characters is completely shit-faced in every one of the comics. And he just, uh, I don't know if that's true. I mean, like, now, you've read a bunch of my comics yesterday. Is it, like, every single one of my characters come, like, shit-faced drunk? Um, I think of your non-autobio stuff, I think your characters are all depraved. Okay. And fucked up. Okay. But I'm not necessarily going to say they're drunk. Okay. All right. So he was kind of, he was, like, maybe one-third accurate. Half accurate. <laughs> there we go. We'll give that to Pete. Um, so you've been in Seattle for 
uh, number of years. Uh, 12 years? Since uh, 2005. 2005. 13. 13 years. That was close. Um, I previously walked past Mac before even knew he did comics when we briefly lived in the same apartment building as we moved down here. That's correct. And that's part of my Pacific Northwest origin story. Because oh. I was up there visiting cartoonist Kelly Fro. Great Kelly Fro. We were pen pals after being in an anthology together uh, back in like 2003. That was uh, one of those. Did you ever see that paper cuts machine? And it was like uh, Liz Prince and uh, Gabby Schultz and Kaz and Aaron Mew and all those. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, like real, or, yeah. All their early work, a bunch of the, they were, all of them were from Hawaii. I don't know how Liz Prince got involved. But, uh, and then Kelly and I were in this anthology and uh, we had an old fashioned pin pal relationship through Mel. And at some point she just said, Why don't you come up to Vancouver and visit me? And I said, uh, Sure enough, I'll, I'll do that. Because I had a, my dad had a pilot buddy who could get me a, a free buddy pass, flew first class. And the funny thing about that was I had to get dressed up to fly first class. And so I show up in, you know, downtown Vancouver, um, like in my Sunday school clothes. <laughs> and she was like, what in the hell is this? You know? You just I, like pulled out a flannel of your bag. And yeah, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take care of this. So um, that was my first uh, trip out here. We fell in love. And then um, like... Nine months later, she was asked, She was about to graduate from college, and she's like, well, I'm moving back to Seattle. You want to, you know, come up and live with me? And I said, yeah, let's do it. And that's where we've been ever since. Did you live in Vancouver at that time, or just like... Yeah, visiting? so I snuck into Vancouver. Uh, it was weird. I, it, so I sold my car in Georgia and, and uh, just basically quit my job and uh, just... Flew out here with a suitcase, and uh, we lived in uh, that the apartment next to you in a little studio. We lived for you know like sixty days, and I, I mean I tried to find little jobs or whatever, doing like some like under the table ESL kind of deal or something, but nothing really stuck. And then we were just like we knew we couldn't find jobs, we knew we weren't going to be able to beat the uh, citizenship thing. We love Vancouver because you know we had so many friends up here. Mm -hmm. You know all the Kelly's culture it's totally embraced me and. Um, but it just didn't work out. So we, we, we rented a place down in, uh, Seattle. And, uh, when we moved down there, I mean, it was like, just found a place right on Capitol Hill in the cool part of town for like, maybe like 750 bucks a month. Everything was awesome. My, how things have changed in the 13 years <laughs> since then. Rents doubled. Now Seattle's turned into a cyber hellhole or the... The plebeians are uh, used to uh, carry around the Amazon staffers, and it was cool because I was right there on the like the the fringe. I got to see some, a, just a little peak of the old Seattle, you know, some of the old like the Hurricane Cafe and the old Crocodile, and you know, like some of the old cool stuff that people talk about. Yeah. So you and, and it's kind of funny because like people will talk about like the Seattle comic scene of like the early nineties and like. Uh, so that's gone away now, and now it's the opposite. Where um, in the time that you you've been in Seattle, it's grown to such a huge scene. A big part of that is Kelly's show, Short Run. Yeah, um, yeah. And then also just the gatherings that you're part of as cartoonists coming together and stuff. Well, you know, it was funny when I'm when it, when when so we we moved down to Seattle, get a place, and then um, shortly thereafter, we were contacted by it was either David Lasky or Mark Campos. 
and they said, you got to come down and, you know, meet the whole cartoon crew. And so, uh, that's when, um, got to meet Kaz Traffic in person for the first time. And, uh, just a bunch of guys. I mean, you know, Mark Campos, you know, rest in peace. He just passed away. And then, uh, David were just so sweet and embracing. And they were just like, you know, like the cartoonists here, like still like to get together and so they suggested I go to this sort of meetup on Wednesday nights called Friends of the Nib. And that's where I got to meet like Jim Woodring. Uh, and just yeah, what turned out to be, you know, a bunch of the guys that ended up just becoming like best friends with like Mark Palm, Tim Miller, and the guys that we eventually, you know, made the Intruder newspaper with. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, uh, it was sort of immediate, you know, you just show up in town and David Lasky's like, like, come on and join the, <laughs> join the club. He is the nicest guy. Maybe the sweetest guy, yeah. But I'll go with sweetest, yeah. I, I, I like David a lot. Um, I guess kind of rewinding back is, um, we are talking beforehand, we're the same age. Um, we're both, are you 40 yet or turning 40 soon? Turning 40 November, in November. November, there you go. Yeah. So short run this year. Come see Max turn 40. Uh, yeah, short runs on November 10th, so that'll be 16 days before my birthday. So plenty of time to uh, get the party started. <laughs> um, so with that, like looking, um, a lot of your stuff is autobiographical about your uh, adolescence. Sure. And sure. Um, reading a lot of comics, especially Grendel. Love Grendel. I loved all those like uh, Nexus, Grendel. Badger, Grimjack. Uh, I Grimjack is such a fortunate name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But like, I, you know, I went through high school. Like, I didn't have any friends or anything. Or I, and I, you know, like I had a, Atlanta. You know, I grew up in the Atlanta suburbs of Marietta, home of Top Shelf Comics, I think. Yeah. But it was like a really good spot. You know, you had like eight awesome comic shops really close by, and I just got. Uh, Really obsessed with those uh, late '80s, early '90s. What, what? Nexus was like mid '80s. Yeah, Grendel. Uh, Grendel was was gonna. I guess that's also a part of you know being younger and finding that stuff that's just a little bit older than than you, and probably a little more affordable than buying brand new. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so like, I, I, my dad would take me around all these. He, he was like, kind of like collected antiques and stuff. So he'd just take me to flea markets, and I was just picking through like fifty cent bins, quarter bins, and I got super obsessed with just like building these complete collections of all those, uh, you know, indie titles. So um, I made all these like handmade checklists, and I was, but like Grendel was the one where like I really got kind of obsessed with it, and I got into like the lore, and. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe went as far as to trying to make my own Grendel mask. Nice. Because, nice. you know, that's what, that's how it works, right? Like, you're, you, the, a voice kind of tells you to, like, like craft the mask and you... You, you become you, the Grendel. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I thought was going to happen. Especially, like, one night I went into a Best Buy wearing the mask and... uh got Best Buy up here, right? Yeah. Electronic Superstore. Took over Future Shop. I don't know what Grendel was going to do in that Best Buy. Probably just, you know, look for like a CD or something. But it, didn't, it didn't last very long. I was kicked out a few minutes later. Um, what was your favorite Grendel run? Oh, War Child. 
Yeah. You know, it started out with the Simon Beasley covers. But, like, so, like, oh, you know what? Who I really love, too, was, uh, and he's a Canadian guy. B-E-M? How do you say it? Bernie Murrow. How do you say it? Bernie Murrow. Okay. Okay. See, that's the thing about reading all these comics by myself when I was a teenager. I never I never said the names out loud. So I never... Those were colored by Joe Matt. Uh, uh, yeah. I loved it. Um, I don't know. I'd have to go back to... I mean, it was all just like each different like run had a special. Oh, who was the? What was the? What were the um the Grendel tells? And it was like the those guys from Bosnia or something. Oh yeah, the one where one of them died. Yeah, um, and that that was fucked because that was like in the nineties when all the shit was going down in their country too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all and that so bled through into the stories, and it, it, I mean, it was like, golly, it meant so much to me. I don't know. I was just like, you know, by that time I was reading those in high school and just like a complete just outcast, you know, and all that stuff just spoke to me, you know, so much. By that time I was also getting into the vertigo. <laughs> if you can you imagine? If you can't imagine right now, Matt, uh, Max is making a look on his face like he just someone took a dump in the room and just no 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 no, no, no. you know like i'm just like kind of like stereotypical like pacific northwestern hipster looking dude but i was like a fucking vertigo fan like crazy salmon mystery theater was all right i will still stand by that one oh man come on animal man swamp thing oh the the certain swamp thing runs are fantastic animal man is a little too preachy Especially the Vertigo stuff. Okay. All right. All right. That was right. just a little too much like I'm vegan and you're going to know about it. Like Kid Eternity? Like, even that, that like, wasn't good. That was not good. I know, but I mean, like, it was just like, for some reason, all those books were in those flea market quarter bins. And it was just something to just like collect and obsess over. Enigma? That was all right. It's all right? That's the Duncan Figueroa art. I like that. Yeah. One of the reasons I actually was talking about, thinking about Grendel in particular is. Um, it's super post-apocalyptic. That's, you know, like, not to jump ahead, but I, I don't know what you're getting at here, but, like, that's, like, maybe one-third of what I, like, that's one-third of what I like to do. Yeah. You know? Dystopian future. Yeah. yeah. That's the roots of cinema. Science fiction. I don't know if I'd say yourself as science fiction as much <laughs> as, like, science, like... Science fiction, it tends to be a little positive sometimes. Yeah, there's nothing positive in your dystopian stuff. Okay. Well, fair enough. <laughs> you want to argue with me on that? <laughs> like, I think the Grindel future is positive compared to some of the stuff I do, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I was like reading Grindel and being like, wow, this would be a great future for us to live in. <laughs> uh, around that time, you started doing your own little comics. Your Warlock comics. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So that was like... When I was in high school, middle school, that's how I'd get attention. I'd draw these filthy little comics, pepper them with a few, uh, I don't know, kind of problematic themes. I don't know, anything for attention, you know? Just trying to be as, uh, what is it, uh, like, a, like a little Gigi Allen in middle school. Does that make sense? I don't think you were. I mean, I wasn't rolling around in shit and glass. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I mean, it was all about transgressive. Is that the word? Yeah. 
So it was all about like pushing any sort of boundary as like some like suburban little, you know, like 13 year old white kid who's like, you know, understimulated and just bored of shit and just wants to do something with a pencil that can just sort of generate some kind of attention, you know, freak the teachers out. I mean, you know, and, and just like, so it'd just be like some like comic character, like, you know, uh, stomping a baby's head in or something, you know, reading like Lobo comics, you know, those like that Christmas special, you know, wanting to be like Lobo, you know, tracking down Santa Claus and cutting him in half or something, you know, I just, that's what, that's what I wanted to be. We were talking about just the transgressive nature of yeah. Warlock. You know, I'm just this dopey little kid. I'm trying to get attention. The kids in my classes, some of them love it. And they, you know, ask me for it every day. Builds up my confidence. I try to do more and more and more. And then, you know, the, the shit really hits the fan when um, I get caught with, like, a big notebook full of it. And it just... Uh, it, I drew a comic about this whole thing. Which is in this year's American Fest Comics or last year's? This year's, yeah. About to come out. It, uh, again, bad with the names Phoebe Gleckner. That's how you say it? I think so. She's awesome. Gleckner or Glockner? I can't yeah. remember. Okay. But we all know who she is, and she's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It was a, like, like a, a stunning revelation. I always, um, you know, like I'm, I'm mostly magazines, and I always make sure to send them to Bill, who edits the uh, Best American Comics every year. And for a few years in a row, I've gotten like, you know, one of the honorable mentions in the back, which is great. But then um, I sent this, like, comic I made, mini comic I made about, you know, drawing all these like trashy little comics in high school and uh, I never heard anything and I didn't, I didn't make the notable list last year and I was like, what's up with that? And it turns out I had the, the math in my head wrong and then I get this email out of the blue and he's like, hey, uh, Phoebe Gleckner chose your mini comic to be in the Best American Comics 2018. Floored me, man. Yeah. It's one of those things. You know, like not much reward in this mini comics game, but you get that, a trade for that, right? Uh, you just get like like a lump sum. Okay. And so, I mean, it's you know one of those things. I I think somebody was like, you know, it doesn't matter if you do one page. I I, I don't know. Regardless, it's paid for dinner. Yeah, I mean that's not even like you know who cares about that shit. You know, I mean it's just awesome to be like uh, this like. Uh, comic I made about growing up in Marietta, Georgia that's got all my, you know, dopey friends and stuff is going to be like, you know, in this book that's sitting on the shelves of Barnes and Nobles across the country. Like, that, to think about that, you know, we're sitting there in Marietta, Georgia in the 90s, like, just bored out of our minds and just, you know, to turn that into this little comic that's going to, you know, get, you know, the, the, this sort of platform... Thoughts? It's kind of surreal. It's kind of trippy, you know? Well, you're really interesting, dude, because you really, you know, I was talking to, doing a thing earlier, talked about, like, the, for a thing for a local paper uh, about the festival this weekend, uh, and talked about how uh, Colin Upton's, like, the old school, like, mini comic for life guy, and you're kind of doing that same thing, following the John Porcelino thing, where it's like, you, how many mini comics do you have? Like 70 or 80? Yeah, it's like getting close. It's like 78. Uh, I once asked online, like, I really want to get a Mac Klopfelter uh, book. And I think Tim Goodyear or something's like, never going to happen. 
He prints it, puts it out, and it's gone. Well, you know, the thing is, though, but I keep the mini-comics in print. Like, oh, I've yeah. got to cut that, like, I kind of always thought about, like, uh, like, a, I keep a catalog, you know, and it, it's like, uh, I do reprint. The thing is, I'm just not going to reprint them in a book, you know. They'll always be in mini-comics form. I, I, you know, like, I feel like I always appreciated, like, record labels that maintained, you know, their catalog and discord or something where you could always go back and get those early records you know it always didn't make sense to me that somebody would make a mini comic and never reprint the mini comic yeah so but like it doesn't make sense to reprint it in like some book in a different format like the thing about like all my mini comics all these different sizes and it's like you know one might be one panel per page one might be just like a you know like a half sheet size and the, the, the the sort of uh the process of trying to collect all that stuff into like a big book would be an absolute nightmare. Maybe I want you to have nightmares. I don't know. But you know, like think about it. Like, like how would that even work? You know, I, because it's like, I hate, it's like the way my brain works is like thinking about certain margins and the way that like a, uh, like a more magazine size page would fit next to a standard comic size page. Like that, that would drive me crazy. I, 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 I would throw the, if somebody presented a book to me that they collected for a lot of my comic I'd throw it out a window. I'd throw it on that grill. I'd light it on fire, man. I wouldn't want to look at it. It just wouldn't make sense to me visually. You know, it's it's meant to be in this one sort of like, you know, form. And it, that's that's just the way it's going to be. You know, that it's like David Laskin, that Ulysses book. I don't think he, he never reprinted that thing. You know that... Did he, didn't he have the some, Boom Boom issue? No, or? he's got some mini comic. And, the Ulysses mini comic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's printed thousands of those. It doesn't need to be reprinted. It is what it is, and that's what it is. And I mean, that's what's amazing to me. I, I love that stuff. Yeah. So, what was the point for you? Because you said you're uh, kind of corresponding with with Kelly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm presuming other cartoonists. Yeah. So, kind of, what was the turning point for you? Kind of leaving Grendel and going oh. towards the other I went to college store. okay I went to SCAD oh nice yeah I uh um it was a little it's, it was kind of weird I mean you know like I I, I kind of had a uh, close friend of the family was associated with the school I was like this like total bum uh like uh student in high school I mean I sucked I was in like the you know this crappy high school I went to it couldn't have been shittier and they they had like this program for kids like I was, it was called the applied classes and they were basically in math class they were teaching me how to like total up my uh, paycheck at the end of the week you know no, no algebra nothing you know like they were just like yeah. but here you, we're about to throw you out to the wolves here's how to make sure you don't get ripped off and so um uh close friend of the family is just like, hey, you know, just tell him to apply to the school. He really doesn't have any other chances. My SAT scores were terrible. Everything was just like really bad. And through like some kind of like kind of nepotism, basically, I, I was able to like apply to SCAD, got a pretty cool deal. I, you know, like my drawing skills were like, I was totally into drawing. I love drawing, but I just wasn't like great at it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I get down there and I'm meeting all these like, awesome people for the first time like what was crazy about it is i i I get down there and i meet other people who are into comics art the the, uh, punk music like it was like uh it it it, it like blew my mind you know like i I, i'd never been around other people who were kind of into the same stuff that i was yeah 
And, uh, of course, the first thing I do is just, like, basically almost just, like, throw it all away, you know, by, like, partying and hanging out and, like, not, you know, like, really getting involved in my studies and it's foundations classes. Like, like everybody down there, uh, you know, came from these, like, rich high schools where they knew what Photoshop was. Like, I had no idea. I'd never even used a computer in my life. Yeah. And then I get down to the psychology, like, you know, at art school, and they're telling me, like, all right, uh, you know, like, um, now save your file as a, as a so-and-so. And I, I have no idea how to even, like, click on a I – don't, I don't know how to do anything. Yeah. You know, so it's all just super overwhelming and, like, color theory. I'd never touched paint before. It was just, like, like too much. Uh, but eventually, like, uh, I basically, like – Suffer through the foundations, and then I get into the sequential art program. And there's like, uh, like uh, some great professors. James Sturm was down there. Uh, just some guys like uh, who just really like uh, really knew how to just uh, you know kind of connect with all these like weirdo sequential art you know majors, yeah. and and just knew how to just sort of uh, help me like develop, you know. Yeah. And uh, the encouragement, you know, I'd never had an encouragement before. And it, 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 uh, you know, like, it, I just slowly, just page by page and you know, panel by panel, just started learning how to, like, you know, like, actually, actually draw comics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I got into, like, super into, like, you know, like, inking and that sort of, you know, like, I'm, you know, super obsessive compulsive and just, you know, like all the mark making and it, uh, it, it, uh, it, it's just all kind of clicked. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of organic. Just, um, was there any art you saw at the time that kind of like pushed you into the direction? Because I mean, you talk about like, you know, being able to express creatively was anything that, that, that directed that creativity, that, yeah, before I went to college, I mean, I was just drawing with, like, pencil on notebook paper. Yeah. You know? And then, so then they're like, well, the, so they're, the, you know, then I get to these comic book classes at this college, and they're like, okay, you got to buy, like, pen nibs, you got to buy ink, you got to buy a pack of rapidograph, you know, pens for 75 bucks, and Bristol board. And I'm like, what the hell's all this shit, you know? But then it's like, then it all clicks, and then I'm like, oh, you know, like, because I've been getting into like Robert Crumb, Jim Blanchard, Pat Moriarty, you know, all these guys. And, 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 and that kind of style of comics, it like made sense how they were doing all that. Yeah. And so then I just was like, oh, well, I want to be like those guys. You know, that's what I want to do. Um, so you kind of had a good idea of the Pacific Northwest scene before you moved up here. I mean, kind of. I don't know. Like, uh, a buddy and I were... Um, Took acid one night and um, we were walking around downtown Savannah and uh, we were just gonna like party and walk around and 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 um, I I pick up this bottle and I'm about to throw it out of a car and um, all of a sudden these like blue and red lights start flashing and it's a cop and he's like hey you two get back to your dorm room you know you could tell we're just two like punk little college students. So we were like, oh, all right, well, let's go back. And uh, my buddy's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, well, let's check out this movie. And he put in Crump. You know? And that was like fucking crazy. Yeah. To be able to watch him, you know, do that. And 
Like that was like uh, being able to watch somebody like draw comics and stuff. I don't know, kind of informative. Yeah. I guess you know at the time I, that's all. I just wanted to be like that. You know, I wanted to be able to like sit down and just draw in a sketchbook like he was and like uh, draw comics. Yeah. About you know life. There, I mean, it, from the the impact he's had on folks, like goes back. Like half the underground scene was just basically people that saw him drawing and just wanted to draw too. Yeah. So not unusual. I think, uh, you know, does he deserve? He deserves a little credit for that. Yeah. I won't say it too loud. Hear me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, times change, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. What, what was okay one day is not okay the next. Or wasn't okay then, but people didn't say. But that's taking going away from where we're at now. And, and Yeah, I mean, now. I can't deny what was a huge influence on me. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, it's important to acknowledge that and, and just the, the shift that, that makes it. And that kind of makes sense with your level of hatching and detailing. You know what's crazy though is, I mean, like, what really, like, just the name and what was most important was the fact that he, at the time, there was this, like, weird video store downtown in Savannah. And uh, I was, I walked in there and I just saw this magazine he, like, edited or something and just had it, or it had a cover by him. And, like, uh, so I started picking those up and, you know, just weirdo. Like, because that's what, like, totally blew the lid off the whole thing. You know, before then, you know, I'd, I'd read, like, Carlota comics and, I'd love like hate and hate got me into like Blanchard and you know I loved all that kind of stuff and I was totally into like fanographics books by that point. But like it was like Weirdo magazine that introduced me to, you know, I'll you know, like I just go page by page and just, you know, try to like rip anybody off who yeah. I thought could help me, you know, like uh develop as a as a cartoonist. What would you what would be ripping off for you just trying to copy people's panels or just trying to do what they're doing? Well, you know, it's all it's all about like I'm not the best drawer. So here we are still at the fact that like you know, even though I've gone off to this art school, I never really I, you know, I I didn't have a natural uh talent at like just drawing. Yeah. I, I kind of suck at drawing. So it's all about figuring out those shortcuts through um the elements of like comics and cartooning. Yeah. You know? And so if I could figure out how to like draw the interior of a room like like if if i had a story in mind like being like i i tend to be very literal and then i'm like well so i'm i'm sort of like scripting it in my head and like so the an establishing shot of just starting like like us sitting in this living room i was going to illustrate this it'd just be overwhelming with all this like detail like i i feel like i'd have to be so literal so i would just like swipe you know somebody who would just sort of like uh cut it down to those basic elements like a like a you know like a cartoonist who's yeah. like better at like making those decisions there's this great uh collier thing dave collier drawing a wall and he's like if you want to make it look like a brick wall just draw three bricks yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. all that bricks. stuff see i still don't I'm, I'm still not even like that sophisticated i i you know like that's also gets to the point where i you know like my whole process is so slow because i still don't make those decisions i'll still draw every single brick and i'll draw the mortar in between the brick and i'll I'll, I'll like do some pointillism you know marks in between the bricks i don't know why i think it has to be that way that you know like that is my 
deficiency as you know as a comic artist. Yeah. It's a deficiency or is it habitual? I don't know. You know, it's one of those things where I'm like I'm or you, compulsion. It, it it's like a it's like what it's like a ball and chain around my ankle. You know, it yeah. it it, it kind of like weighs me down and it it makes me slow. But I mean, it's also are like, you slow though? Yeah, I'm super slow. I feel like I'm one of the you know like I feel like there's certain guys whose work that I admire and it's not I mean I, I love their work but we're all kind of just like it's just like how much detail can you fill in you know yeah. I mean I'm going to argue about your slowness because you know like every time I see you there's a new mini um, maybe yeah. you're not as productive as you've been in the past I don't know but but I'm not one of those guys that's like just whipping out here's my next graphic novel you know, like I like the the thing I admire most about like Novan Skyler or something is that they can just like they just they just it it it's a multiple thing where they have they they have the drive and then they've also got the efficiency you know like it's yeah. it's and 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 that sort of inherent like that that cartooning ability yeah. where they can just sit down and just and just tear it up you know like that's I mean that's a that's a, that's a skill in itself yeah. I mean, he he's he's kind of a special case where he's devoted himself so purely to it. I mean, at this point, not even I don't think he has a day job anymore. And yeah. Moved somewhere where he could live without a day job. Yeah. And just I mean, that's that's that balance, right? Like, I mean, you live in Seattle. No. no. <laughs> I mean, you know, I live as cheaply as possible. I do. I one thing I'm able to work part time. But I'm also like super, you know, like I'm also, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I got to get out and be social and do yeah. stuff, you know, I'm not like, and I'm not saying it's like, I can't, I can't do that. Just, you know, sit around and just like, if I'm not at work, my nose is, you know, at the, against the Bristol board at the drawing tape. Yeah. I just don't have that. Uh, I just don't have that drive. And maybe I'm sort of like talking myself out of being worthy of like, you know, having this conversation with you, even, you know, like maybe I'm just like, oh, I'm, you know, like it's yeah. like I'm, I, it's, it's like an, it, it's more than a hobby. Yeah. But at the same time. Well, I mean, here's the, one of the reasons I want to talk to you, um, almost feels like we're doing a therapy session here. Yeah. I kind of want to know why. Yeah. Um, the work you do is really particular to you. Uh-huh. Um, a Max Quattfelter comic is not anyone else's comic. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about Noah. And I love Noah. I buy all of Noah's books. Um, but you're not making Noah's comics. Yeah. And I don't think you ever will. No, I definitely won't. Um, your auto-bio stuff is fantastic. Yeah. I quite enjoy it. Yeah. But part of that is I don't think you would be able to sustain doing nothing but autobio comics because there's a certain like madness in some of your comics that you kind of push. And we're talking about like the, the post-apocalyptic thing. Yeah. And not just that, but also um, the kind of surreal imagery you use of these like melted, mutated figures and stuff. 
Well, we can kind of tie that back into, so I'm going to college for comics. Yeah. By all means, like, you know, like it should be like, I should be figuring out how to like make a living at this whole thing. But what I decide to do is just like, just, just follow the, that natural impulse, you know, like I'm into like the kind of like, what is the comfort zone? You know, I'm not like, at the time when I was going to, went going to school, like the whole big thing, like blankets had come out and everybody was just like, okay, well the, the way you succeed at comics and the way that, you know, like if you're not going to make, you know, draw from Marvel or DC or image or something is you're going to, you're going to make a big graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And I did the complete opposite of that, you know, where I'm like, and it, so I'm at school while James Sturm is, is, is working on the Golem's Mighty Swing. So he's the perfect example of that. He's like, you know, that was like the era, like when everybody was like, all right, well, you know, like the, that like graphic novel era. Yeah. And what do I just, I mean, I'm just like, I'm just like chipping away, like, you know, just making these like little self-contained books that are just nothing but like, you know, like for a couple of weeks, like what kind of like weird, obscure thing do I want to kind of get into and put out and sell for a buck? (laughs) Well, the funny thing is, one of the things uh, that it's mentioned in some circles is the same year that Blankets came out. At Mocha blankets, huge, did great. Yeah, Kramer's Ford also came out that same. That's time. so that yeah yeah yeah. I I, I think I kind of knew you were about to say that. So we're like, but I mean like that's not. But I'm also kind of like you know like, I I I bet a thousand dollars Sammy Harkin pukes on like comics. You know, there's a, there's something like not, you know, like they're not because I'm like. It's so like overcooked, you know. Like I'm, so I'm not. I'm not a graphic novelist, and I'm also not like this. Like I don't fit into like these like art comic category, you know. Like with this, I mean, you, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but you would never see any of my comics fit into that either. I don't know if I'd agree. I think you definitely follow um, that kind of Fort Thunder tradition with your work, where I mean, it's less focused on. But on the Brian Ralph end of the spectrum, and Brian Ralph was more of a like an anomaly to be associated with that kind of crew. You think so? I that, don't know. That's where you kind of see yourself in there. Um, or I see, I see a lot more urgency in a lot of you know, like yeah. if, if we're going to talk. I mean, no, yeah, because I I feel like it, I'm sitting there and I'm spending too long on a on a on a, on a single panel to get everything kind of like properly staged you yeah. know it, it it lacks a little bit of that uh of, of, of that raw power yeah you know i don't i don't think my comics scream like a like a, like a raw you know like like a gary panther kind of energy i mean they're 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 a little they kind of more make you scream after like sitting in it for a couple hours and you're just like where the fuck am i i don't know i mean Maybe we have different views of your work. Maybe so. Maybe so. Because I, I kind of, one of the things I enjoy about your work is I appreciate, you know, we talk about this often, but also just the, the, the evocativeness of, of reading your comics. You know, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's like that kind of same way, like at Al Columbia Comic Works, where you're just like, oh, this is funny, but this is not 
good. I guess so, yeah. I don't get that perspective. But I mean, like, as far as, like, where I'm creating from, like, I had always... So I'm, like, I'm, 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 like, looking backwards, and when I'm drawing a page of comics, I'm like, man... I would love for this to show up. I, I, I'm, it's like I'm drawing to be in Weirdo, and Weirdo's yeah. gone. Yeah. You know? So. <laughs> so what happened? So you really got into Weirdo, and, and I'm just wondering about that kind of, like, did you finish college? Yeah, 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 yeah. I stick around. Um, and I mean, uh, you know, like I that that John Porcelino interview in the Comics Journal comes out. Do you remember that? Uh, like the magazine. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't read it, but you didn't read. It's like the most important thing. In my, I I wrote a. I've got a. So I stuck around SCAD and got a master's degree. Oh wow! I got a master's degree in sequential art, and the whole thesis I wrote was basically just a rip off of that interview. And it, it, it was Zach Sally interviewing John Porcelino talking about like the zine life. You know, like that, that, and it sort of like relating it to kind of like a just the, the, the do it yourself kind of movement and all that, and 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 that like that's what I wanted, and the, like the non commercial aspects of creating art for the sake of art and yeah. doing it the way you want to do it, and uh, so that's I mean that's what I wrote my thesis yeah. on, and uh. I mean, you know, like, so that's what I do. I mean, I, and I get out of school and I've got no, you know, like I'm done. I've got a, ma- a master's degree. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go teach, you know, like that's just not like a natural, I'm like really shy and I'm not, I'm just not, you know, very good at like telling people what to do or whatever, you know, and, and, and that's not a skill I have. So it's like, I've just got this, I've got these degrees and I just go off, I, I go back home to, to Marietta and just go work in an art supply store. And, uh, and, and, and basically earning these degrees that, that basically like reinforce this, like sort of desire for me to just make zines. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, that's what I did. And I mean that, you know, that's how I ended up, you know, like just drawing comics, making mini comics and, and, and it also like, you know, anthologies at the time, everybody was like, oh, I'm going to be in this anthology. So I just tried to be in as many anthologies as possible. And I'd gone down to school with uh, Aaron Mew, who's buddies with Kaz, and that's how I got connected with that whole scene, and that's how I got connected with, you know, Kelly and everything, which, you know, got me out to Seattle. But, uh, uh, yeah. It, you know, I met a, made a lot of great friends down at, 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 at SCAD. Yeah. I was in the same class with, like, Eleanor Davis. And I was wondering if... Drew if, Wang and Chris Wright. if they're, like, the same age. Or a yeah, younger. yeah, that's always been fun watching them succeed and kind of growing in all directions. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bitter there. No, 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 no. But, but it's like, but it's like, like that's like that's like this thing about my whole life and what I what I've decided to do. Like yeah. it's just like this, like it, you know, like it's this lack of com- commitment, you know, to like uh, to 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 the to the comics cause. You know, like is it though? Is it a lack of commitment? I mean, I mean I'm got committed like to like mini comics. I'm. Com- it's like I'm committed to being kind of an amateur at the whole thing. You know. Yeah, we definitely look at your work in different ways. I think we do, but it's still like. But I mean, like, why not? Because I think what you're doing is good, and you're good at what you do. It's you, you like when you tell a straightforward story. You know, there's a reason that that story was included in the best Americans comics. Yeah, because it is. It's 
you know, you talk about your childhood in an engaging way. You have the right beats for the humor in it. And it's open and transparent, but it's also touching. And you're doing that in a little mini comic, which is kind of like really for a lot of people to be able to. One of the the things is like short stories are the hardest because you have to boil it down to those essentials. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, you're not you're you're doing that story in twelve small pages instead of eight hundred blankets. I just, I just, I don't know. You know, like that's the thing. Like I've just never gone to sleep at night. First off, yeah, I, I I've just never gone to sleep at night thinking like to myself like, oh man, tomorrow I'm gonna start my graphic novel. Yeah. And then when I get it finished, I'm going to pitch it to Drawn and Quarterly or Fanographics and then they're going to publish it and I'm going to be I'm going to be where I want to be. Yeah. I don't know that just it's just that's just never been you know one of my goals. Yeah. And I mean I think like that now I mean you know and that's the weird thing about all these micro publishers nowadays where it's also kind of like I could throw all these zines together in a book and I could potentially pitch it to somebody and, you know, somebody would probably put it in a nice little book that handsomely, you know, rest up on the bookshelf next to all the other books. Yeah. But I don't lose sleep at night because that isn't so. It just isn't one of those things that, like, I, I don't wake up in the morning and think, like, to myself, oh, man, I really want to scan, you know, 120 of these pages of comics I got laying around sit around staring at a computer screen and make and and put together a, a nice looking book yeah. what i want to do is i want to you know like i'm like a uh for me like you know I'm, I'm i'm super shy and so i go to these like zine shows that pop up every like you know four months or so and when i go to one of these things i want to have a new little book that i've made myself on a xerox machine in my hand that i can like walk up to you and i don't need to really like bullshit to you and I don't have to come up and like try to like you know like have an awkward conversation I can say like hey Robin good to see you always like running into you here's my new thing and then I just go run off as quickly as possible and hopefully you take that home and you read this like little comic that takes like about 10 minutes to read and you see what I've been up to and it's like a uh it it, it, we have a connection in that way and I hope I've entertained you and uh you know like I get like the you know the I, that's what's fulfilling to me. Yeah, it's like using comics as a way to like have a relationship with people. Yeah, and I love doing it. I love trading comics through the mail. You know, I I did. Uh, I just put up this that Rat Tactics. Did you see Rat Tactics? Yeah, I read it this afternoon. So like, I I put that together, and I had that for the Bellingham Comics Festival. I went to a couple of you know weeks ago, and I just you know probably sent forty of them out to friends in the mail, and everybody like you know like it just. That I mean, that's that's all I want to do with it, you know, like because yeah. it's I don't think if I'm doing that or if I'm publishing a graphic novel, either way, I'm not gonna like I'm not making any money or anything, yeah. right? I don't think you make any money from this thing. It's like the the professional like, I mean, Drew and Eleanor are, are kind of a, a a separate thing, but I think like a, from one understand for a lot of SCAT for a while, there's a lot of folks just go to Oni. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 and and that stuff's not gonna not making you rich unless you're Barbara and Allen. I love all those guys, but you know, like I, you know, like I'm. I hope I didn't come off as being like, uh, like sarcastic or no, no, no. you know, like, um, 
But what, what I'm saying is that one of the, one of the big challenges with comics is is there is there there's few situations where you're you're making that big monetary gain. I mean, some folks who are successful really just from illustration work. I know. So then that kind of gets back to the thing. Like, so it's like, sort of like, well, why are you limiting yourself to the hundred? I don't, you know, I, I probably haven't printed a mini comic I've made over. There's probably like a couple that I've printed into like 500, maybe 750 or something, Mm -hmm. you know? So like somebody would be like, why are you going to limit your audience to like 750 people when like, you know, like a basic print run of a dragon might be 2000 copies and they're going to be in stores and you're, you know, you're just, your visibility's, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't that be a goal? Because not all 2,000 copies get sold and read. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How many get remaindered? Are you not? Sorry, I'm being a big bummer now. Um, You're trying to reinforce my argument. I appreciate it, Robin. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it, there is some, some, some real talk with this. Sorry to steal that phrase from uh, Process Party. Um... But, you know, there are situations where folks work really hard on a graphic novel for, for a decent-sized publisher, and it don't sell many copies. Yeah. My, I my book sold less than 300. It's not a graphic novel, but, you know. I, how did that make you feel? It, it reinforced what I do, because more people will listen to this podcast yeah. than will read the book. So that's all. That, that's also kind of like the weird thing about like what what is this whole thing anyway? Like yeah. comics is such a indie indie comics is such a small tiny little thing. It's tiny, you know. Like you could name anybody you know in indie comics now know them too, and more than likely we've heard some sort of like insane personal detail about their lives. It's a little. It's a little just like little like high school we all belong to, and we all have cliques, and we're all just kind of like. You know, there's competition, and what little crumbs get brushed underneath the table that we all fight over. I don't, you know, I don't want to get involved in any of that. And 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 so part of that is like, I I like your idea of like, here's a mini comic, I put it out, send it to my friends, it gets read. Yeah. And I mean, it, it it's that that balance of commerce versus. Or art? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's plenty of commercial stuff that's super high craft. Yeah. But it it's... When you look in other artistic fields, there are rarely big gains compared to the amount of people within that field. Yeah. Um, and But because comics is so tied with publishing, you have these expectations of, of these gains. Well, I tell you what, though, you know, like it's funny though that like imagine if you're a musician and what's like a what's like a what's like the most awesome American record label, indie record label, like Merge. Merge. Okay, how hard is it for like your you know garage band to get a record out on Merge? Oh, impossible. Yeah, but then if you're like a comic artist and you're kind of in, you know like you're like hanging out and you're doing indie comics like. If you, you know, if you create a decent book, I mean, there's a good chance, like, Eric or Gary or Fanographics is going to read that thing and, like, hey, let's put this thing out. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, the benefit of it being so small. Yeah. And it also means, like, you know, you might not make a penny from it, but the chances are, you know, if your life goal was to be published by, like, a Fanographics or something, you could, you could probably, 
if you work hard, you know, make, make that happen. And it's, it's not like a, like, you know, it's, it's a, it's yeah. a reasonable goal to have, yeah. you know, talent. And, and I think Noah is a great example of that. Isn't that what, like, he's got all those comics about just begging. No. There's that one where he shows up in the nineties at the Fantagraphics house. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Um, and that's, you know, that was his goal and he got there and, but he's got the it thing too though i mean you know the which thing the it thing yeah he he he's good we love you noah we're gonna stop talking about you because we don't want you to get too uh uh embarrassed so you moved to seattle get heavily involved in the scene there um Oh yeah yeah, 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 and I'm wondering about how that is for your productivity of being around so many people making comics when you're going from being somewhat isolated in Georgia, um, the South being a generally not as pleasant a place for a person that's a bit of a freak. Oh yeah, I mean, like you know, we I I'd I'd, hang, I'd you know go to a party in Georgia and it would be just like. Uh, you wouldn't even go to parties in Georgia. You'd go to a bar in Georgia and basically it'd be you and maybe some guy you kind of liked a little bit who, you know, had enough in common where you'd at least want to hang out with them. And then there'd be some cop getting drunk, you know, a couple tables over and he'd want to try to fight you when you're in line at the bathroom. Like that was a typical night out in Georgia, you know, like, like having a cop call me a uh, F word, you know, because I, I wasn't strong enough to fight them properly or whatever you know so that marietta sucks so then i i I, like i basically like get like uh swept away from that court sort of environment to uh to seattle where i'm like hanging out at somebody's house and uh and 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 somebody's like whips out a sheet of bristol board and they're like well we're partying why don't we just go ahead and draw a mini comic and you know in the course of a night we might whip out like a like a like a new wave mini yeah you know and it's 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 like oh hey d- david lasky wrapped that thing up with a with a cool little like uh punchline at the end there. <laughs> and uh or uh or um are you just hanging out and there's like uh i'm you know a huge frank zappa fan you know i love frank zappa and then i'm and i'm hanging out at uh somebody's house and then like bruce bickford walks in the room you know him who did all those animations for frank oh, zappa yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like baby snake and you know, like like it's like like what the fuck's going on here? You know, like all of a sudden, like the the the, the whole world turns around, and like you're you're living for like uh, moments to just like uh, collaborate with people. Being where I was at, and then going to where I ended up, you're just sitting around with like everybody's like so talented and like you know like full of energy, and you're like, well, let's uh, not waste a minute, you know, and 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 uh, like so started out making mini comics with all these guys. And then we were like, tried to up the game a little bit. We found out how, how cheap it is to print a newspaper. You know, a bunch of us had like tried to submit comics to the smoke signal out in New York and they ain't got no time for some, you know, like kind of like marginal kind of, you know, like Seattle kind of dude who's not, you know, <laughs> Tim Lane or whatever, you know, like, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm no yeah. Tim Lane. Right? Is that the, is that one of those like hot shots and smoke signal? Tim Lane's been a lot of smoke signal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look, hey, hey, I'm 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 not I'm not that good. So like, 
when you when you got that page put together though, you got to do something with it. So why not just print it up yourself? So like me and like twelve people got together and decided to make a newspaper out of Seattle. And then uh, I don't know. It just seemed like I I just got there at the right time where like the, where there was like there was this like the legends of the old Seattle comic scene, and then all of a sudden just. It, you know, like it got, you know, like it's like somebody like pulled the rock out, you know, like, like, you know, like the reawakening kind of, you know, like yeah. this resurrection. Like, and there were like all these people who had been there, uh, you know, in the nineties who were able to just sort of like, uh, kind of collaborate with people who were super younger and, and just getting there. And, uh, uh, everything just seemed to like click together. You know, there were these drawing nights, uh, they were awesome. You know, Jim Woodring, who would run these drawing nights, he's a guy, you know, world-class artist who's getting all these opportunities and that he maybe didn't want to, you know, like, like do, you know, like if the Seattle Art Museum came to him and said, uh, we want you to uh, host a, um, a live drawing event at the uh, Seattle, um, you know, sculpture park. He's like, I don't want to do it by myself, but why don't we get me and my 11 friends to come out and we'll do a big like group of rent. Yeah. You know? And so like when somebody like that is sharing these opportunities they have, there was like a like a like a huge gallery down in Pioneer Square. Here you know, here's this like world class, you know, like gallery saying like uh, you know, Jim, would you would, would you do an an art show exclusively at our at our at our <laughs> gallery? And he's like, No, but I I'll put some artwork in with these like with all these like friends of mine. Yeah. I mean that's like 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 I'm coming out, I'm coming out of Georgia and coming to Seattle and then all of a sudden I'm like you know like hanging out on a wall with like you know all these all these people it's, it's fucking amazing yeah you know and it kind of like builds a little confidence and then you know me and some of the younger guys we're off doing our own thing making like this newspaper the Intruder and then uh, other little things you know like uh, Denny Icorn. You know, like we were sitting around one night, and we're like, "Hey, didn't doesn't Denny Icorn live around here?" And it's like, "Oh, well, why don't we just look him up and email him?" And sure enough, you know, he lives like thirty miles away, and Pat Moriarty's taking us over to his house. I mean, it was, it, you know, somebody who was like grew up, like reading weirdo and grew up reading alternative comics. You know, it, it became this like sort of like this surreal kind of like dream come true to, yeah. to like just you know find out that all these guys still wanted to make comics and. Denny still had a bunch of scripts, you know, like, and then, uh, Tom Van Dusen published a new Denny Icorn book that I got to be involved in. That was amazing. I mean, that's like, that's literally like, uh, that was like five years apart from me just like sitting in an apartment by myself in Marietta, Georgia, like doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. So yeah, moving to Seattle is probably a good idea. <laughs> I mean, you think? I don't know. Yeah. No, I. It, it's I really like. I remember the first year that Kelly did Short Run, and I was like, "This is great, weird little kind of back space, and this is neat." And then like second year, all right, it's good. And then the third year is like, "Shit, this is the best show." happening right now so that's kind of funny yeah so like me and a bunch of these guys are trying to just make these like dopey comic newspapers and stuff so at the same time kelly branches off with a couple of her friends 
And we've been going down to the Stumptown Comics Festival in Portland. Tabling at these shows also became a big deal when I moved out to, you know, like it was yeah. like that, that was like a real cool thing. And that was just like, an, like, you know, like every couple times a year, you'd hang out with everybody and table and it was like totally cool. But Seattle didn't have one of those shows. So Kelly is like, uh, starts hanging out with, you know, a couple other women and they're just like, uh, well, why don't, why don't we do something in Seattle? Yeah. And, uh, Turns out it requires a lot of hard work. A lot more hard work than I was willing to put into it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, like, obviously, the, the people with the correct work ethic got involved. And I mean, you know, I, I, don't, I, I can't say enough about Short Run, you know, because that's been another one of these like, events that, uh, I don't know. How do you explain it? Be, and as an outsider, what is Short Run? Short Run, it's... It's your straight up comic festival, comic convention type thing for small press mini comics. And I think it came at the right time because Stomptown was fading into, uh, I couldn't go to last year because it bothered me so much the year before. They moved to a convention center and they had the mayor dressed up in a superhero costume like this. Sucks. That sounds horrible. Yeah, it was it was brutal. It was just like this is the exact thing I did not want. Uh, and then short run came came in about that same time maybe, uh, and one day show which I really appreciate, just focused, just like bam, here's a great group room full of amazing, varied, different, small press folks, and um, it is. I'm bummed I haven't been there in like three or four years. What? I know. What? I know. I'm going to come this year. Um, it is one of the best shows that I've been to, uh, especially the last time. Uh, I think it was the first year they were in that hall. Um, and it was stellar. Um, it's like literally, it's, it's the most Seattle thing in the world because it's like right, it's literally underneath the Space Needle. Yeah. It's in a huge, well-lit room. And they've got... Uh, See, I haven't been in that space yet. You haven't been in that space yet? Yeah. Golly, you're missing out. Yeah, I will come. I will be there uh, this year. I saw Kelly at the Bellingham Comic Art Festival, and she told me some of the stuff, and it sounds like a really great show. And so I do recommend folks checking it out. But it's also a chance to get your latest mini comic. I will have a new one. <laughs> Thirteen years in Seattle. Twelve years in Seattle. Ten years in Seattle. Thirteen. Thirteen. Um. It's really exciting to see kind of what you guys come up to, come up with, how it's grown there as a scene. Because I was saying earlier, like how people kind of talked about the the old days of the old Seattle scene. Ed Brubaker would come and hang out and all that kind of thing. Um, but you guys kind of surpassed that nostalgia. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny though. A quick, a quick Ed Brubaker story, if I, if I may. When I was, uh, you know, when, here I am, when I was down in Savannah College of Art and Design, uh, James Terms a professor, and he had an assignment, and he was supposed to bring it in on Tuesday. And um, Tuesday morning comes up, and I, I, I basically just, like, half-assed my assignment. And James Term was one of the most, like, straightforward professors you'd have as far as, like, not pulling any punches as far as, you know, like, if you were not... If you're turning some bullshit, he's going to call you out on your bullshit. 
I mean, he was known as the guy who would make people cry. And um, so Tuesday morning comes around, and he's like, all right, everybody, we've got a critique time for your homework assignments. We've got a special guest. Ed Brubaker walks in the room. And uh, it's James and Ed going back and forth talking about each piece. And um, they're doing, I mean, it's good. It's cool. You know, and then they everything's pinned up on the wall, and then they get up to mine, and uh, James is like, uh, Ed's about to open his mouth about something about the West, kind of spotted a black or something, and, and James is like, no, 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 hold on, he just rips it off the wall and hands it back to him. He's like, he, he didn't finish. We're not going to waste any time on that. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was awesome. That was awesome. That's a, that's a life lesson, man. That's a life lesson. Get your shit finished. Just, just fucking, just, just don't waste an opportunity. You know, like, just don't, just yeah, just get it done. And I mean, I'm a huge procrastinator, and I had a, I had a deadline today for. I think I got two pages. I'm supposed to get finished for a high hill fetish anthology that Ian Sundahl's putting together. Do you know Ian? I have been. I don't recall meeting Ian, but I do know his stuff. Yeah. Well, he does a fantastic magazine called Heelage. And I got to draw a couple pages for that. They were due today, but obviously I'm sitting up here hanging out with you instead. You're in Vancouver. We're going to go see Mersbow in a couple hours. We are. We are. I'm excited. It's going to be a quiet, mellow show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you, Max, for coming up here and hanging out. It's been good to talk to you. Um, I hope Sturm's uh, admonishments still help you to this day yeah and uh yeah check out his stuff uh maxplotfelter.blogspot.com is your web presence and snake meat comics is it just find me on just find me on instagram or something slot manual is that your name slot manual yeah that's awesome i'll have links to stuff and yeah thank you so much oh thank you i could be holding you tonight Good, quit doing wrong and start doing right. You don't care about what I think. Think I'll just stay here and drink. Hey, putting you down won't square the deal. At least you know the way I feel. Hey, take all the money. Think I'd just stay here and drink Hey, listen close and you can hear That loud jukebox playing in my ear Ain't no woman gonna change the way I think I think I'd just stay here and drink
hurting me now don't mean a thing Since love ain't here, I don't feel the pain My mind ain't nothing but a total blame I think I'll just stay here and drain Yeah 